Have you ever asked yourself, am I a bad therapist? Well, you're in the right place. I'm Allie Joy, licensed professional counselor and board-certified art therapist. And I'm Katherine Escare, a clinical psychologist, and this is Am I a Bad Therapist? Join us each week for stories from behind the closed therapy door. You'll hear experiences that made us ask, am I a bad therapist? Including bloopers, jaw droppers, and other difficult moments that normalize the unique struggles of modern day therapists. This is a space with no experts, no gurus, and no hierarchies, just humans sitting in similar chairs. And while we're not the gatekeepers for good and bad therapy, because we're bad therapists too, we are here to shine a light on the difficult decisions therapists face on a daily basis and to normalize that mysterious gray area of clinical practice that no one wants to talk about. Ellie, what's your biggest telehealth fear? Well, when we started thinking about telehealth with the pandemic, my anxious brain ran through the scenarios that might come up and the lack of control we might have when clients are not in our offices, but are in their homes. So I feared someone getting hurt, a medical emergency, uh, safety risk in many different forms. Those all went through my mind and I still fear those today. Well, get ready because Shakira is going to share a pretty scary situation she experienced during a telehealth session. And she shares with us her whole thought process. She has such insight and energy and reflection. And um, despite it being a really challenging situation, she shares with us some really great learning moments, even if we still don't have answers. So get ready because you're in for a wild ride with Shakira coming up next. And she shared this happened over 20 years into her career. So hopefully all of our listeners Mm -hmm. who think it, you know, things come up or you, I mean, we do learn as we go, but this just shows that things can come up far later in our careers that still catch us off guard where we don't know what we're doing. So new therapist, it is not just you. It happens at any time in our careers. Absolutely. Consultation is for everyone. So before we get started with Shakira, this is just a reminder that this episode is for entertainment purposes only. It is not a substitute for therapy, clinical consultation, or ethical guidance. All right. Well, this is episode number 36 of Am I a Bad Therapist? Let's get into it. Shakira, welcome to Am I a Bad Therapist? Thank you. Thanks for having me. How are you? I am so good. So good. Thank you for asking. Allie, how are you? Great. We're so excited, as always, to be recording. And we are so excited to hear your story, Shakira. Catherine and I know some of the details, and we can't wait to hear all about it. Yes. So many questions. (laughs) But before we get into it, tell us a little bit about yourself, Shakira. Okay. So my name is Shakira Gillette. I am based in Philadelphia. Um, I have been working in behavior health for the past 23 years now. Um, I tell everybody I started when I was 10, so no one can guess my age. Um, <laughs> I'm a licensed clinical social worker. So I um, I have a, a dual master's, one in public health and one in social work. And I started my private practice in 2021, right off of COVID. Um, and so here I am today. Wonderful. So Shakira, tell us your story that made you question whether you were a bad therapist or not. 
<laughs> still questioning it. So <laughs> we always are. <laughs> started off just like another regular telehealth um, session. Was meeting with my client. She was ending a toxic relationship. We were, she was meeting with me and she was in her home and I was in the office and we were having a telehealth session, right? Um, just going through the motions, you know, getting into our session. Then all of a sudden, in the background, I hear someone like banging on her door, like her bedroom door. Screaming to the top of their lungs, let me in. I want to tell my story. So I'm sitting there and she didn't move. Like she kept talking as if it was regular Sunday morning. She didn't acknowledge this. Didn't acknowledge it, right? And it wasn't like a one-time thing. It was continuous. Let me in, let me in. I want to tell my side to the top of their lungs though. I was freaking scared, right? Because it seems so tumultuous. And then I'm looking at my client and I'm like, and she's just like still talking like this is not happening, right? So I'm thinking, I'm like, what do I do? I'm supposed to do something, right? I'm supposed to interject. So I asked her, I said, is everything okay? Right? That was the only thing I could think of. And so she's like, "Um, yeah, everything's fine. Um, He just wants to come in and, and tell you his side. And so I'm like, okay, I don't know where to go with it next. So the only thing I could think of, I was like, are you safe? Are you, do you feel like you're in danger? So she says, um, no, it's okay. It's okay. In the meanwhile, you know, her partner is banging still on a door, ready to like knock the door off of the hinges. What, what are you supposed to do? Right. There's nothing yeah. in like the books that tell you, okay, mm-hmm. you know what to do when the client, you know, says that they're a threat to themselves, a threat to someone else. You kind of know how to troubleshoot that. But what do you do when someone in the background sounds like they're a threat? And so I'm sitting here, I'm trying to keep my composure so I can keep my client's composure, right? I don't want to like fall apart and she like falls apart, right? So, um, but I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, okay, what's the go-to? Do I call 911? Do I call the suicide hotline? This person sounds like they're going to kick the door in. She's sitting there looking like she's, you know, disassociating. She doesn't even seem like she just checked into what's happening. I'm fearful for her. Mm-hmm. I don't want to get off the line because what if he hurts her? I don't know what to do. Oh so, my gosh. I, <laughs> so it was just one of those things where, you know, you, you don't, you don't hear about this in, um, no. in school. No, no one, no one in when I was in my master's program, like telehealth was not even thought of, right. We were meeting mm-hmm. in office. Um, mm-hmm. It was usually like a, a environment that we can control. So this is an environment that's an uncontrolled environment She's somewhere else and I can't assess her safety. It sounds like she's in danger, um, but I don't know what to do for it. So in those moments, I felt like a terrible therapist. Yes. I have so many thoughts. I know, Catherine, we're both like, oh my gosh. (laughs) I feel like the first thing I thought of when you were saying like, seeing her not react at all, I feel like I would have been like, is this happening on my front door? Like, or is this happening to your neighbors? Like, I feel like I would have been questioning like, I can clearly hear someone trying to break down a door and she's not reacting. So that also makes me think of like, is this a common occurrence for her? Like so many thoughts. Oh my goodness. Catherine, I know you have so many too. What are you thinking? Yeah. So I'm just thinking like something you said really stood out to me and that was, I'm going to botch the paraphrase, but it was, 
I know I need to do something, but I don't know what to do. And I feel that so often in the therapy room and as a parent and as an adult. I know that as an adult or as a parent or as a therapist, this situation requires me to do something. But my manual that I got when I became these roles did not prepare me for this situation. And that is the part I relate relate to so much, both on small levels, on, you know, no shows or uh, just rarely, like just very common occurrences. I'm like, I know I got to do something. But I got to figure out what to do and I don't really know. But this is a big something, not only because there, you are questioning safety, mm-hmm. but also the immediacy of it. This isn't mm-hmm. a safety down the road. This isn't safety when she gets to her house or when mm-hmm. she leaves your office. This is safety in the session right now, immediacy. Exactly. And uh, without we don't have to get too much into the client's presentation, but did you have any reason to believe that she was in a harmful situation prior to this or a dangerous situation prior to this? Yes. Or was this so you, okay, so you already had some some uh, questions or some hesitations about her safety at home prior to going into the session. Now you hear someone trying to bang down the door and you're trying to figure out what to do. And your client's not even really acknowledging the gravity of the situation. Mm -mm. She's not even responding to it. And you kind of try to, at least for me, I'm trying to go through everything in my head of what you're supposed to do. I'm like, okay, she's an adult. So um, I, I don't call like, child services Mm -hmm. like you know and she's just she doesn't right now she's not like I didn't see him come in and actually do anything to her but it sounds volatile right so you're in this murky in between Mm -hmm. thing and then I'm like well I'm her therapist I'm supposed to be giving her support I'm supposed to be giving her guidance she's not saying anything is she looking to me to direct you know direct Mm -hmm. the situation in a way and I have no idea Right. Mm-hmm. I think I did say, do you want to call 911? Yeah, I did. I was like, should we call 911 together? And she was like, oh, no, that'll just that'll just make things worse. But her presentation was just so like, this is normal. Why are you asking yeah. me crazy questions? Let's, wow. you know, continue with the session. And I'm like, oh, my God, <laughs> this is bad. Right? right. And so um, there was just nothing in my mind that I could grab onto to be like, okay, this is what you do in this instant. And no one prepared me for it. And I've been in the well, field for 23 years. These situations wouldn't have come up <laughs> mm-hmm. 20 years ago. Now, if you were, if there, this client was in your clinical office and their partner showed up in your clinical office and started banging down the door, you'd obviously call the police, obviously. right? Yep. But since this is in your client's home and you would not be privy to this interaction otherwise, outside of telehealth, this is this new frontier of how do we handle these situations. How, do and it's, how did you balance the – it sounds like you were you were going through your head of how much can I trust my client's ability to assess risk? Like she's right. calm, but do I trust that mm-hmm. um, versus – her autonomy as an adult to handle the situation as she sees fit. How did you go through that? Or did you go through that either during the situation or after the fact? I think I went through that during the situation, right? I was thinking about, okay, I know her. Usually she seems to be pretty on point. I don't know if she's fearful. um, And that's why she's not doing anything. I don't know if she would be upset with me if I were to call the police and she's like, I didn't ask you to do that. Mm -hmm. I didn't ask for help. You know, now I have this bigger situation. So it was trying to um, compute so many things in my mind in like short seconds, right? 
And then still trying to remain confident and confident in front of her, um, where inside I was like falling apart. I was like, oh my God, what do we do? Right? I needed like an emergency button or, or a way to pause <laughs> things so I can be like sit there and talk it through with myself on how to help this person. Um, and so it was just, it was just one of those things that I will never forget. It was mm-hmm. definitely a learning curve, but I can't even say what I learned because <laughs> if it were to happen again, I'm still like, I don't know what to do. Unless the person is saying, Shakira helped me, yes. she wasn't saying, right? But this, you know, in the background, he was very upset, very volatile person, you know, to the, to the high heavens and sound like he was kicking the bedroom door in. And then my thought process was, if the door flies off the handles, then yeah. what? Mm-hmm. Right? What do I do then? Do right. I ask her, do you want me to call the police? What if she says, you know, again, no, you don't need to call the police, but I'm seeing this interaction? Mm-hmm. Just like a lot of a lot of questions with no answers. Yeah. And I will say when so I'm anxious on a good day. Like I am an anxious person. <laughs> and when the <laughs> pandemic hit and you know, we started exploring telehealth, one of my biggest fears, I was like, what do I do if something happens, right? On a telehealth call. Like it went through my mind. And I will say I tend to, you know, try to think of a lot of scenarios in my anxiety. I don't think I thought of this one, even like you said. So even if someone is thinking about it, we're not prepared. We don't know what to do. Cause like Catherine said, we know what to do in the office. And it's just so interesting, like we're all saying, it's just you don't know what to do. And mm-hmm. I would fear too for this client, like he hasn't broken through the door right now. She's saying I'm fine, but then I would be worried for when we ended the call. Mm-hmm. What happens yeah. to safety then? Is she mm-hmm. at risk still? Is there that potential? And it's this really great area, like you're saying, it's not a child, you know, I'm not seeing violence, I'm not seeing that threat, but there's that potential. What do we do? It's so tricky. Very tricky. Very, very tricky. And that was some of the things that I thought about after the call, right? And so was, um, do do I I follow up in 20 minutes and make sure that she's okay? Um, What do I put in my progress note? Um, you know, should I make an uh, anonymous tip to something, right? Women yeah. against abuse. Um, so these were all of the things that I was trying to, that I was thinking about after the call and still trying to, um, maintain that, that client, um, therapist relationship without yeah. crossing, um, her trust and her boundaries with me, you know? So, um, it was just, it was, it was in the, mo- you know, looking back, it was, it was funny, but, um, just thinking about so many different things that came up for me. And then I started, you know, started questioning myself. Did I do the right thing? You know, um, was well, the, did I miss Shakira, something? Hold on. Before we get into that, I think we need to loop back. What did you do? So here's your clients not reacting. The, the partner or uh, yeah, the partner is breaking or sounds like they are breaking down the door. What did you do after they said, no, don't call the police? I asked her, I said, are you sure you're okay? Right. And she said, I am fine. I said, is there anyone you can call that's in the neighborhood, a neighbor or someone, a family member that could, um, that you would, you know, that you would want to come around? She said, um, I don't have anyone. There's no one for me to call. Um, I asked her, I was like, do you want to go like outside and finish our session? No, I don't want to go outside. So the only thing I could do was just be with her in those moments, right? I didn't know like what else to do. I didn't feel comfortable 
um, delving more into the session. We have another person on the other side of the door that is like volatile. I don't know if they're listening, so on and so forth. She wanted to continue. She wants to continue the session. Um, I tried to pivot and just talk about like safety concerns, right? If you ever feel unsafe, this is the number to call. Um, I use that time to kind of look up like safe havens in her neighborhood, right? If something happens an hour after we were done this call, here's some safe havens you can go to. Nine one one is always an option, like still reiterating that those things for her. Um, but she was just very like checked out. It just it and and it, it made me think about how normal this might must be for her, mm-hmm. for her to be able to just completely navigate through it without a care in the world, right? I'm the one that is climbing up the wall and scared to death. And with every bang, I'm jumping like, oh, my God, oh, my God, like I'm doing that. This is this banging is going on throughout the whole session. It's going it's going on throughout the whole session. Let me in. Let me tell my side. Right. Um, And she is just not even concerned about it. Right. And so I had so many different fears. God forbid if I turn on the news and I see something. Oh my goodness, you start thinking about all this stuff. What if they yeah. call me in the court? What's that law, right? What, 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 yeah. And so my thoughts began spiraling about um, what's going to happen afterwards. And did I do everything in my power to make sure that she was safe, especially with her being a, an adult and being able to make her own um, decisions? Right. Well, Shakira. I'm just going to pose that question back to you. Do you think you did everything just in that moment before we get to the rest of your work with this client? In that moment, do you think you did everything you could in your power within the confines of confidentiality to keep her safe? I think I did, right? I still struggle with it. Um, I still wonder what else could I have done, but what else is there to do, right? Right. That's the tricky um, situation. That's, that's the tricky the question. Tricky part. So the only thing I went back to like therapy one-on-one, right? Be with them in the moment. Sometimes you don't need to say anything. You just need to sit in that space, right? And so I gave her resources. Um, I talked about safety. Um, I reiterated that the police are there to help and all of these things. And she didn't want any of that. So I just sat with her in those moments, let her know that I was there for her um, and and gave her some, some emergency resources in case things went left after we hung up. But... I don't, I don't know. I think I did everything right, but I'm not sure. Right. It, it, it's, it's up for debate. We're never going to have that clear answer. Right. <laughs> That's why I asked you to answer it yourself because it doesn't matter what I think. Right? I, mean, I wasn't in the situation and we're not the ones to pass judgment on this, on this podcast. We're just here to say, we made some decisions and we're never really going to know <laughs> if that was the best decision ever or if that was right or wrong in the traditional sense. But yes. I'm glad that you, first of all, I, I admire and just am so impressed with your level of insight and how you can so deeply recall the amount of questions and the insight and the thoughtfulness that you put put into how to handle the session while still also this is not for the faint of heart you you were going through this in the back of your head while also maintaining a full session with a right. client right there <laughs> and managing your own anxieties so exactly you being able to go through all that and still at the end of the day sit with i'm not we're never going to know but i think i did everything i could mm-hmm. in the moment that's mm-hmm. so comforting and i'm i'm so glad you have that peace given the situation because it is so un- so I should say unprecedented, Mm -hmm. um, given that this telehealth was so new at the time. Yep, absolutely. Let's pause here for a quick ad break. Are you looking to incorporate more creativity into your clinical practice, but don't know where to start? 
As a registered art therapist, I truly believe that every clinician can utilize creativity in what they do. I absolutely love offering consultation and supervision to share with clinicians how to ethically incorporate therapeutic art making into their clinical practice. I focus on easy and simple interventions with very little prep work for you and your clients. Visit www.cccs.care to learn more. By the way, the number one support for those of us asking ourselves, am I a bad therapist? Are clinical consultation groups. If you don't have one yet, join us on the Teletherapist Network for unlimited peer consultation groups, including a lot of different specialty groups like clinicians of color, LGBTQ+, couples counseling, EMDR. And of course, Creativity in the Clinical Room hosted by me, Allie. Plus masterclasses, media leads, and everything else you need for an ethical, modern clinical practice. Join us at teletherapistnetwork.com. Well, let's loop back to the show. So it was just one, it's definitely one of those things, definitely one of those things that sticks with me, right? Especially as we continue to go through like this telehealth um, experience um, and wondering, you know, still in the back of my mind, what if something happens? What if something goes awry? What if something happens that, you know, we weren't planning and I am here in the, in the thick of it? Mm-hmm. How do you handle? And how do you handle without kind of like losing it so that your client can still, you know, feel safe and supported, right? And so it's just one of those things. Yeah. So it's out, you safety planned with her in the moment. You were really, again, taking those cues from her. You weren't observing any, like, in the moment, like, actual physical harm. What did you do when you signed off? Um, I asked her, I said, would it be okay if I, you know, did a follow-up phone call with you later just to see how you're feeling? Um, she said that that would be fine. Absolutely fine. Um, I asked her again, I said, are you sure, um, that you're going to be okay? What are you going to do after we end this call? Right. Um, she said that she was going to wait for him to calm down and then she was going to talk. Um, I asked her, I was like, do you feel like that would be safe? And she felt like it would be. I, on the other hand, was very apprehensive. I didn't want her to talk to, to him. I didn't want her to talk to him alone. Um, I wanted her to, you know, utilize some type of resource before, you know, going into this situation. Um, and so that's how we signed off. I did follow up with her via text later on in that evening, just saying, hey, just checking in. Are you okay? Um, she said, yep, all's well, right? Very like monotone <laughs> effect. Like she was in the session. Yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, and then we just, we had our regular session that following week. But that's how that is how that that ended. You know, I stayed with her the whole you know 50 minutes for our session um, and just kept asking her, is she sure she's OK? Is she sure she doesn't want us to take you know more proactive measures or calling for help? Um, and, you know, she kept saying that she didn't. So that's all I could do. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like you did that and preserved the relationship, the therapeutic relationship you did have, which was another factor in my thought process when you're explaining this is safety and rapport, mm-hmm. right? And autonomy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, definitely. definitely. These, it is so tricky, the situation. This reminds me, I had a situation not as intense, um, but I had a client on telehealth pass out when we were on <laughs> session. Right. And it was that <laughs> very similar, like, I feel so helpless. I remember wow. that going through my mind. Cause again, if this happened in my office, I know what I would do, but mm-hmm. 
and I again, like Catherine was saying, if someone's trying to pound down my office door, I know what I would do. But I feel like that feeling of helplessness stuck, helplessness stuck out to me so much. And then trying to make sure they're safe and you try to go through it. I had, you know, and we go through the plans too. Like I had, you know, we, everyone has an emergency contact who's on telehealth. We have these things in place. But then in the moment, it's still that frantic, like trying to still be calm, trying to mean teen rapport, trying not to overreact, I guess what could be a question. Um, Mm -hmm. And then the follow-up too. There's so many factors. And I am so impressed as like Catherine was saying, Shakira, just how you handled it, how you navigated it, keeping your composure, following up. It's just so scary. Yeah, definitely. I definitely had, I made myself um, a homemade sangria after that call. Right? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Definitely did that. Um, you know, and then the funny part too that I can remember is while I'm trying to pretend that this is normal, and you know how you take notes in session, like with every bang, I'm writing, oh my God, right? (laughs) That is is what I'm writing. I'm writing, oh my God, oh my God, like with every, OMG, that is what Mm -hmm. I'm writing, right? With every bang. Um, and then, and then it also makes you think, you know, is this their normal, right? Mm -hmm. If this is normal, what then where do we kind of like draw that line, right? For for me, um, this isn't safe. This is not a safe situation, right? This could be their normal. And, and, you know, trying to help them to cope with their normal, is that part of our job? Or is it part of our job to um, let them see that this should not be normal? Like what's, where does a therapist insert themselves yes. in these type of situations? Because had we not been on telehealth, I would have never known this was going on at home unless you brought it up. Right. So. And even, even when, even, you know, I deal, this has not happened to me, but I can relate to that feeling of, you know, where do I insert myself as their therapist when they come and they share something about a situation or a relationship. And I'm like, do I help them see that they don't have to put up with this? Do I help them see like they don't deserve this? Is this a self-esteem? Is this a boundary? Is this everything? Is this a safety issue? Like where, where is my role in them presenting this information to me? Right. And with telehealth, this was involuntarily presented to you without the client's (laughs) consent, it sounds like. Mm -hmm. Did you, after the fact, after this, did you, you know, loop back with the patient about, so what was up with that? Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Or, or, okay. And and did you set any boundaries around like, this can't happen again? Or what was the follow? What was the further discussion? How did you bring it back into the therapy room? Yeah. So the following week, um, I, you know, I let her know. I was like, you know, I was thinking about you all week, right? Like I was so nervous and trying to make it, you know, light for her. Um, and then kind of honed it in and said, you know, this is, this does, this is not safe, right? Let's put some, what does safety mean to you? Um, how do you value safety? Okay. These are your values. Let's put some boundaries around this. If this was to happen again, how would you react to it? Okay. That's a good reaction. Let's think about some other ways that we can react to it. Um, and just, you know, again, try to get her to open that scope a little bit to see what she valued and how to put some boundaries around her values um, and, and um, let her know what steps she can take if things wow. like this were to happen again. Um, she did, that following session, she did kind of say, um, yeah, that that's just how this has been, you know, it's crazy type of thing. So that was the most emotion that I had seen from her, but she was out of that um, environment at that next session. So I'm wondering in my mind, I was like, okay, so I'm wondering if 
if, is that how she poops? So when there's something that is dangerous or doesn't feel good, that she just not deal with it, right? right. Completely checks out. Um, and, and, you know, trying to help her understand your safety is first, right? Let's put some supports in place if something were, were to happen again. Um, let's think about what you value and how to put some boundaries around your values. So. I love how you took this situation and used it as a really valuable piece of information for the clinical work. You not only managed it with in terms of safety and relationship and rapport, but you used it to inform the work moving forward, which it sounds like it hopefully took a very productive path. <laughs> I, <hope> uh. so. <laughs> I definitely hope so. But I think for me, I'm just hoping that we can all think about Right. If we're yeah. holding telehealth sessions, some of the things that we didn't think about just right. jumping into telehealth, right? It's a whole new different world. Um, therapy used to kind of just be in, in your office and, um, you know, conducting services there. Now we're invited into these people's house and all types of things are happening. And what is the role of the therapist when mm-hmm. things go bad? And so um, I'm just hoping that we can kind of like think about that and be proactive and come together collectively to say, this is what we should do. Because I'm telling you, there's nothing. I don't mm-hmm. Google it, you know, look back at the, the our code of ethics and I don't find anything that yeah. would be helpful. And that's kind of like where the podcast comes from, right? Like we felt so often that sometimes you hear these stories, but we don't get the opportunity to talk about them enough and they're not taught in school. Also like, but like, how could you teach it? I'm not sure. Like that could also be a bigger conversation for us to have, but hopefully it is to normalize and share with other therapists. Like these things do happen. And if we don't talk about them, we all experience them alone and we don't know how to deal with them. But hearing someone's story or having these conversations, like you're saying, can give us that opportunity to be like, well, what should we do? What things can we put into place? Can we just normalize it and really acknowledge like these things are happening and not talking about them doesn't help anybody. That's right. 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 So Shakira, to wrap us up, what advice would you give someone else who was in the middle of a telehealth session and had a a surprise risk assessment needing to happen (laughs) that wasn't suicide related. What advice would you give them if they were struggling with how to ban, how to, how to make decisions in that moment? What advice would I give them? I have no clue because I'm still looking for advice myself, but I'm thinking definitely check in with your client, right? Um, If it's a situation where you see that there is risk and your client can be harmed, then police, um, definitely get some some help out there. Um, but if it's if if you're not sure, take cues from from your client on um, what's normal for them, how they're coping, um, being in that moment with them, and just go back to your our basic assessment skills, right? If, right? if it doesn't sit right, if it seems like it's dangerous, then you know we usually know what to do in those moments. Um, hopefully, um, but you know just definitely take them cues from your client. Um, if they're not in an immediate danger as to how can you support them in these moments. I love how you really went back to those core two tenets of our training, which is be in the moment and trust or let your client lead. Um, Those are the things that really guided you through this really scary entire session, not even moment. This was a lot of moments. Um, (laughs) in a way that preserved the safety and and the integrity of the relationship. 
And it sounds like you take care of yourself afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Yep. I I mean, I had a nice cold sangria (laughs) with a nice warm washcloth under over my eyes and try to remind myself why I do this. (laughs) Why do I do this? This is insane. You know, that secondhand drama at times is overwhelming. But um, you are so right. mm -hmm. You are so right. Yeah. And it doesn't matter where we are in our careers, too. Like you said, you've been doing nope. this for 23 years. Yep. It sounds like you were about 20, 21 years when this happened. Like it can happen at any moment, whether you're new, seasoned, unexpected moments come up in our field and our work so often. It's mm-hmm. one of those pieces of it. And you know what? It brings you back to reality because, you know, I I would definitely say after you do this for, for some time, you're like, I've seen everything, right? I can assess risk. I can, I can do it all, right? Bring it on. And then something happens and you're like, oh my God, I have no idea what I'm supposed to do. I need to call somebody. I need some supervision. Somebody help me, right? And so it really was a um, teaching moment for me um, yeah. that you don't know everything, right? And and um, no matter how long you've been in the field, surprises are still going to come up. And how are you going to handle? How are you going to assess? How are you going to keep it together? How are you going to support the client and do all of those things within a moment? So I learned something that day. Well, with that, I, I don't think we can end on a better note, Shakira. So <laughs> we're going to wrap that up for the content portion. But before we sign off, can you tell listeners if they want to connect with you, where they can find you? Yes, definitely. Please, please, please email me at onthecouch1111 at gmail.com. Um, that's my email. Yes, definitely email me um, if you would like to go to my website. It's synchronicity, and I will spell that. It's S-Y-N-C-H-N. O-C-I-T-Y. So synchronicity.clientsecure.me. Um, that's a lot. So one of the cows. We'll link it. Don't worry. <laughs> we'll link it we'll in link the show it. notes. Don't worry. <laughs> It'll be easy for everybody to click. We'll get it all. Okay, cool. And then um, if not, then definitely email me on the couch 1111 at gmail.com. Perfect. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Shakira. This was an incredible story. So insightful. We all learned. Like you learned that day. We're still learning from your story. Thank you so much for sharing it. Thanks for having me. And that's it. The OG bad therapists, Allie and Catherine, are signing off for the week. Make sure to subscribe and leave us a review. We pick a few lucky five-star reviewers to shout out and invite for a 15-minute consultation with the both of us to talk about anything on your mind. From clinical work to podcasting, we're game. Just make sure to leave us your name and location in the review. Are you a bad therapist and want to be on the show? Go to abadtherapist.com and tell us your story. Our podcast is produced and edited by my amazing husband, Austin Joy. He also created the music for our intro and outro. You can find this song along with many others on any music platform under the artist Air for Effect. And if you're a bad therapist starting your own podcast or wanting to level up the one you already have, contact Austin for his full suite of podcast and sound production services. You can find him on Instagram at air effect And don't forget, we're all bad therapists.